Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Monday night Mishle class. Tonight is Rosh Chodesh Kislev Tafshin Pei Aleph five seven eight one. Wonderful night, a special night, a holy night, and we are making it holier by our study of Torah. We are here in chapter number six, Perek Vav, Pasuk Aleph. Tonight we're going to look at a couple of ideas. The first idea we're going to see is um, the um, a warning to us to avoid commitments that may cause financial losses. And there is metaphorical explanations to these Pesukim as well that we're going to touch upon. And uh, towards the second half of the Shiwa, we're going to speak about the importance of being diligent in our actions. And we're going to learn a very famous Pasuk that Shlomo HaMelech calls to our attention, one about the ant and the importance of learning from the ant. We'll get to that in the second half of the class. Um, they're in no way connected, the two parts, but they are equally as important as all Torah is important, and I hope you uh, bear with me throughout uh, the Shi'ur. So again, if you're following along at home or online, wherever you're listening, we are studying the sixth chapter, Perek Vav of Sefer Mishle, Pasuk Aleph, and Shlomo HaMelech begins with the word, again, uh, a warning to avoid commitments that are beyond your abilities. He starts by saying, Beni, my son. If you have been a guarantor to your friend, Arvut Mamon, a co-signer, guarantee, Takata Lazar Kapecha. If you have given your handshake for a stranger, a handshake confirms the guarantee, says Demiri. The Pasuk is referring to a person who became the guarantor for his friend, the lender, agreeing to pay this the a stranger's loan in a case that he defaulted. And this guarantor stands to gain no personal benefit, but he obligated himself to pay someone else's debt. The Vilna Gaon says there are two types of guarantees. There's Arafta Echa, you are a guarantor for your friend, which refers to the guarantor who pledges to pay back a loan if the borrower defaults. And then there's a second type of guarantee where you have given your handshake. That's an Arev Kablan, which is where a guarantor offers to um, pay back unconditionally. It's an even stronger commitment um, for this guarantor than, than a normal guarantor because he obligates to pay the loan on the due date without the lender even having to approach the actual borrower. And your person has to watch out for this type of thing to make sure he's protected. Metaphorically, our rabbis explain that this refers to the leaders of Bnei Israel who were made responsible for the nation. On one hand, you have the elders, two types of leaders. On one hand, you have the elders. They teach the Torah, the Zekanim. And on the other hand, you have the judges, the Shoftim. The teachers are like the ordinary guarantors. They're obligated to educate Bnei Israel, explain the laws to them so that they're guided upon the proper path and not make a mistake. Those are the teachers. The judges are the unconditional guarantors because through their decisions they take money from one person against his will and give it to another so this is how that's a metaphorical explanation of this pasuk of the two types of guarantors you have been trapped by the words of your mouth and you were snared by the words of your mouth of samson rafa hearse explains these psukim as a warning to avoid a situation where an individual commits himself 
to something over which he has no control of. Of course, at the time of his commitment, he assumed that nothing bad was going to happen and no harm was going to befall him. You know, the lender is going to repay his debt. That's what he's thinking. But facts may prove that he made a costly error and he would have to pay the consequences, God forbid. So therefore, a person needs to seriously consider all the possible consequences to avoid entering such obligations. You're trapped with the words of your mouth because you weren't careful. You didn't look at the document properly. A lot of reasons why something doesn't work well in your name. Do this, therefore, my child, and be rescued. For you have come into your fellow's hand. Since you've committed yourself and you've become responsible because you're the guarantor, you've become responsible for the lender, do this and save yourself from this predicament. What is this? We'll see a, an explanation of this in the following psukim, but according to a simple explanation, it's what he says right now. Lech hitrapes. Lech hitrapes means go and humble yourself. Subjugate yourself before him. Let him trample you with his feet. And let your fellow be superior. Meaning plead with him to be lenient with you. Give you more time to pay back this debt. Strengthen your friend and give him dominion over yourself. The Chachamim explained about Metziah. The Gemara, that the first two psukim of this parak of this chapter, are referring to two different problems. Either one, you became a guarantor to your or for your friend, or you angered him with harsh words, even though you owe him no money. And therefore, this pasuk ha- offers solutions to help you get out of these situations. The unfortunate guarantor is uh, told, "Hater lo pasiad." Open the palm of your hand to him. Pay him the money. Hitrapes is hater pas. It's the same words. It's a contraction. And the one who, sp- who spoke harshly, we tell him, Send many friends to ask for forgiveness. Re'echa uh, uh, in this pasuk is the only time in the whole book of Mishle that is written with the, with the letter Yud. Resh ein Yud chaf. And that implies plural. Plural, your friends. And the interpretation is that the guarantor needs to humble himself before two people at least. The lender, whom he needs to ask for more time, and the borrower, who he asked to pay the debt. Therefore, freeing the guarantor from his commitment. But like I said, all these pesukim need to be explained metaphorically as well. And Rashi here says, what Shlomo Melech is saying is the following. My son, Beni, you have committed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is called Re'echa, who is called your friend. We say in Shira Shirim, This is my beloved and this is my friend. And twice, yes, twice, there's a number two again. Twice, you accepted an oath to keep my commandments. You accepted them at Har Sinai and you accepted them in Arvot Moab, in the plains of Moab. And you turned away from his ways. You became... Like Chas Shalom, the Zarin, the heretics, you attach yourselves to the, the Zar. You became ensnared through your association with such strangers. And since you have a prior commitment to God, you now have to do the following to save yourself. Lech trapes, humble yourself before Him. echa, and send many people to pray for you before Him. 
right? The, that could be the Chachamim, the Tzadikim, the righteous people of the generations, who their Tefilot have the power to change from Midat Adin to Midat Harachamim. According to the Malbim, the metaphor also refers to the commitment a person made to protect the Kedushah of his soul, the sanctity of his soul. But, unfortunately, he also committed himself to the Yetzirah, and he was attracted by materialistic desires to act in a way that was contrary to his original commitment. Since he already accepted responsibility to protect his soul from the Yetzirah, he now has to subjugate, he has to humble that drive and uplift and strengthen his soul, which is his friend, because the soul is considered his friend. He continues here in Pasuk Dalit. Give not sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Don't be lazy in this matter if you owe, if you owe money. Tenuma is a light sleep. Don't sleep or even relax temporarily until you've gotten yourself out of this situation. Don't rest until you've paid off the debt. Hinatzel kitzvi miyad uchtzipor miyad yakush. Be rescued like a deer from the hunter's hand and like a bird from the fowler. The Midrash applies these pesukim to a Torah scholar who has been appointed a Torah authority for the community. He becomes an arev. He becomes a guarantor for that community because he is in a position to correct them. He becomes responsible for their actions. And, and as a result, he's going to be blamed and punished for their shortcomings. And that authority has to take care lest he become ensnared by his words and rule what is unpure, pure, and what is kosher, not kosher. So what should he do? He has to immerse himself in the study of the Torah. And that's why another interpretation of the word zot, zot aseh, this is what, aseh zot, this is what you should do. Because whenever you see zot, is zot Torah. This is a Torah. He must accept someone as his own Rav and humble himself before his impartial judgment. Just today I was listening to an interesting podcast about a, an, an elderly gentleman who was very, very close with Rav Moshe Feinstein. And the podcast was about Rav Moshe Feinstein, the, the, the Torah great, the leader of the generation of Ashkenazi Jewry, definitely. And he was relating what took place when Rav Aaron Cutler, who was the famed Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva Lakewood, after he passed away, Rav Aaron Cutler and Rav Moshe Feinstein were the two Gdolim of the generation. And when Rav Aaron Cutler passed away, Rav Moshe Feinstein just stopped and he said, Oh no, now everything is going to be on me. He realized, he understood the responsibility that came with him. He is now the guarantor for the community. And everything just dropped on his shoulders. And this man was relating almost instantaneously. While during the Shiva, the phone calls just tripled, quadrupled uh, exponentially. So this is just an idea what it means to be a guarantor. Eventually, Rav Moshe Feinstein, he relates that he had to give part of, of his responsibilities to other Chachamim. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky was probably the next um, and uh, so on and so forth to take responsibility, to, to lessen and lighten the burden that was on Rav Moshe Feinstein's shoulders. Nevertheless, that's what he should do. Always immerse yourself in the study of Torah. 
The Al-Sheikh explains that anyone who's in position to exert influence over others is under the same obligation like we said, the Torah authority. All Jews are responsible for one another. And therefore, every person has an obligation, must do his utmost, to influence his friends to improve themselves. He must give his friend strength. He must elevate him from sin. By influencing them to repent. says that whoever has the ability to protest his household and prevent him from sinning, but does not, he is punished for the sins of his household. And the same thing for a person who has the ability to protest the whole world and you choose not to, you are punished for the whole world. It's a tremendous, tremendous line. You are now the guarantor for your friend. All of Klal Israel is your friend. The Jewish nation is your friend. Because we were all there at Har Sinai. We all accepted the Torah on Mount Sinai. And we are the children of God. And we are equally responsible to fulfill the Torah the way that it was meant to be fulfilled. This is the first part of the Shi'ur tonight that deals with the um, importance of taking upon yourself commitments and making sure you go through them uh, properly. The second part, probably the more well-known part of the Shi'ur, is the import the importance of being diligent in our actions, being uh, diligent in our deeds, while a person is still young, in preparation for his old age. Shlomo Amelech begins this idea when Pasuk Vav, very very famous Pasuk, where he says Lech el nevala nemala atzel, go to the ant, you lazy person, you sluggard, re'e derachea vachacham. See her ways and grow wise. According to the Vilna Gaon on this pasuk, probably the most famous perush on this pasuk, he says we can learn three qualities from the ant. The ant meaning the little tiny creature, for those wondering. The good deeds, its fine attributes, and its wisdom. So let's start. If someone is lazy, if someone is sluggish in performing his good deeds, he has to learn from the diligence of the ant. Because the ant gathers much more than it needs for its survival. The rabbi tells in the Midrash that an ant lives on average only six months. And all it needs to live is a kernel and a half of wheat to sustain itself. But yet, what do we see the ant throughout the summer? It's busy gathering whatever it finds Wherever it be, wheat, barley, lentils, why does the ant do this if it only needs a kernel and a half? Because its instinct tells it, maybe God is going to give me more life. Maybe he will decree that I will live longer and I need to prepare what I need for my sustenance during the winter months. Maybe I'm going to be alive in the winter. I'll be the only ant that survives. Bishimon Bar Yochai was once quoted in saying that he once found a vast quantity of wheat stored in an anthill. So that's lesson number one, the, the deeds, the good deeds. The second is see her ways. Ways here refers to the characteristics. Even though an ant is eager to collect a large amount of food, it's not going to touch anything that belongs to another ant. 
The Midrash recounts that an ant once dropped a grain of wheat and all the other ants realized from its scent, from its smell, that it was not theirs. And no ant took that grain until the original ant returned and retrieved its wheat. So, see her ways. Lastly, grow wise. A person can learn wisdom from the way an ant stores its food. The Midrash says that ants make three compartments in their hill. They don't store food in the upper compartment because they fear it will be ruined by the rain. They don't store food in the lower compartment because the moisture from the underground may spoil it. So they store the food in the middle section. And same too, a person should choose a correct path for himself and take all the necessary precautions to ensure that his actions are secure and enduring. All the forces found in creation are also implanted in our soul. Man realizes that every trait he observes in the, crea- in the creatures is part of himself as well. Uh, that's why the Gemara in Masechet Eruvin, we're about to learn Dafyomi, that says, Ilmale lo Torah, gazel had the Torah not been given, we would have learned modesty from a cat, not to commit theft from an ant, not commit adultery from a dove, and the proper manner of conduct for a, for a spouse from a rooster. So what do we see here? We see that Hashem endowed the ant with diligence so that man can learn from its example not to be lazy in his quest for wisdom. But yet there's still an important distinction between the traits found in creatures and that found in mankind. The creature is but distinct. Mankind is a rational decision that why we behave in certain ways. That's why the Pasuk doesn't instruct the person to go see the ways of an ant and then ase, and then do like the ant. But it tells us vachacham. Vachacham means to grow wise, to learn and apply them wisely. An ant's diligence in collecting much more than a need, should not be misapplied so that we have to con- co- collect and amass much more than what we need. Because that's the physical. The physical, we need to collect only what we need. Spiritual, that's something different. Though, again, still with regards to the end, Pasuk Zayin, though there is neither officer nor guard nor ruler over her, an ant has no one to rebuke it. There's no king of the ants. And there's no one to encourage it to be diligent or to take back what it may have stolen from its friend. But yet, it gathers, it prepares its food and doesn't steal. Doesn't need police officers. The three terms in this pasuk correspond to the three trait, the three praiseworthy, three praiseworthy traits of the ant. You have the katin, an officer. He's one who teaches wisdom to others. The shoter is the overseer who makes sure the proper actions are taken. And the Moshel, the ruler, is one who corrects the behavior, makes sure there's no theft and violence in the city. And this is what is, is learned from that pasuk. Tachin bakait lachma. The ant prepares her bread in the summer. Each ant prepares and gathers her own food. One doesn't steal from the other, like we said. Agra bakatsir ma'achala. And gathers her food in the harvest time. An ant prepares the bread in the summer in the kites after having gathered its food in the harvest, the katsir, in the late spring. 
once summer arrives and the kernels are no longer available in the fields, what does the ant do? It concentrates all of its efforts on preparing and storing food for the upcoming winter, like we said, even though it's not going to survive. Harvest and summer in this pasuk, again, are metaphors for youth and old age. During a person's youth, a person needs to harvest a large amount of Torah knowledge. And afterwards, in old age, one takes all that accumulated knowledge and attempts to comprehend it. That's the words of the Vilna Gon. The Midrash tells us that in the future, the wicked are going to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for a chance to do Teshuvah. And God's going to tell them, you fools, you lived in a world like Erev Shabbat, whereas the world to come, the Olam Abba is compared to Shabbat. A person who has not prepared for Shabbat, what is he going to eat on Shabbat? This world is like the dry land and the next world is like the sea. If a person neglects to take food from shore before embarking on his journey, what's he going to eat when he goes out to sea? He should have learned the lesson from the ant who prepares for the future. The same principle applies to our spirituality and our Torah study. A person has to invest his wholehearted effort to acquiring Torah knowledge in this world so that he can enjoy the benefits in, in the next world. The Al-Sheikh points out that if an ant is so diligent, even though its lifespan is so short, Kalvachomer, how much more necessary is it for a person to be diligent both in its youth, in his youth and, and old age, to amass and collect all the zechuyot merit for his everlasting life in Olam Abba. We have to take advantage of the short lifespan that we have to accumulate the zechuyot to last uh, for eternity. Admatai atzel tishkav. How long will you recline, you lazy person? Reclining here implies laziness and performing good deeds. But the person could still be thinking about Torah at the time. The Vilna Gaon was legendary for being uh, totally immersed in Torah study. For more than 50 years, it is written that he slept only two hours a day in four 30-minute segments. Three during the night and one during the day. And even when he slept, his lips would constantly murmur words of Torah. The story was once where he was forced to leave the town of Vilna for a period of time and he spent time in a city called Meretz. And uh, the people of the town were so happy to see, to have the holy person in their midst, wealth that the wealthiest man in town placed the second floor of his home for the Vilna Gaon alone with the promise that he could study undisturbed. Now the people, they wanted to see this angel study and they devised a scheme to see him without disturbing him. So they erected a tall ladder outside the window and took turns climbing to watch him study. Once after midnight, the Vilna Gaon um, woke, woke up from the start of his short sleep. He overslept by 10 minutes, 40 minutes instead of 30. And he was anguished because he lost 10 minutes of Torah study. And uh, he had to remark uh, and say, you know, it seems that sleep comes easy in this city. And all the people listened to this. And they're like, oh no, the Vilna Gon talked about our city this way. We caused him 10 minutes less of Torah study. It's a tragedy. Sometime later, the Gaon was 
able to return to Vilna. And once again, uh, he stayed uh, overnight in Meretz at the same home when he went back again for another trip. And this time he woke up 10 minutes earlier than usual. And he made up those 10 minutes. And all the people were happy and thrilled that he got back his 10 minutes to make men's for the last 10 minutes of the first time. Matai takum mishenatecha. Lazy person, when are you going to wake up from your sleep? The Al-Sheikh says that a lazy person remains in bed and rests even after he uh, is up. Uh, we all know what that feels like. The alarm goes up, but we're not really out of bed yet. We check our phone, we check our emails in bed. Really, we should be getting up and getting ready to, to pray Shahrit. No, we like to stay in bed a little bit more. Only after a little bit, uh, five more minutes, right? Then we Then we wake up. No, when are you going to arise from your sleep? When will you get out of bed as soon as you wake up? It is our duty to make ourselves gibor ka'ari, strong like a lion, immediately upon waking up to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is how the Shuchan Aruch begins. The Chachamim who value every waking moment as an irreplaceable opportunity to study Torah embody this principle. One of the Kabbalot, one of the uh, resolutions that Rav Simcha Zisoziv, the altar of Kelm, accepted upon himself was to arise from bed immediately after he woke up. And uh, they say that when he was dying on his last days, he was forced, his sick body, to rise from bed just to stand, you know, to pray Mincha. And his students protested. He said, Rabbi, just you can pray Mincha in your bed. You don't have to stand up. And look what he answered. He said, you're right. Halachically is correct. I can pray mincha in bed at this stage in my life. But I suspect that it's the laziness that is tempting me to pray in bed. And that's why I stand up to pray. And they say that after he prayed that mincha, he laid back down and he passed away. These are the tzaddikim. These are the greats. The Malbim explains that the sluggard, the lazy person, is a metaphor for a person who sleeps in his youth. He doesn't realize the purpose in his life. When he finally wakes up and realizes the need to study Torah, then the laziness is preventing him from accessing it, from actively pursuing spiritual growth. And therefore, not only has the harvest passed, but even the summer. They both passed, and he's accomplished nothing. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to recline. Shlomo Amelch says in Pasuk Yud. We say this, if a person just sleeps a little, naps a little, just relaxes a little, what's going to be the outcome? The outcome is Pasuk Yud Aleph. And your poverty will come like a traveler. If a person acts in such a manner where he's everything is just about sleep, then his poverty will come immediately. Like a person who, who walks hurriedly. His poverty will come upon him like an unexpected guest who is traveling on the road. Like a traveler coming on the road and arrives without any warning to his host home. And your loss like a shield bearer. A chachamim stress the speed in which spiritual poverty can hold back a person if he's negligent in Torah study. Gemara Yerushalmi says, if you leave me for one day, 
I will leave you for two. If you neglect Torah, even for a short period of time, soon you're going to find yourself totally removed from Torah. It's comparable to two people who meet one another and then they each travel a distance of one mile, but they travel in opposite directions. In the end, they're going to find themselves two miles apart, even though they travel just one mile. The Al-Sheikh explains these last few psukim allegorically. And with this we'll conclude. Certain circumstances in life may cause a person to arouse himself from the stupor of materialism in this world and inspire him to repent from his past sins and pursue spirituality. Only then will he make Torah his primary goal. And these periods of sleep that we spoke about in these last Pesukim, that is the time and effort he invests in the materialistic parts of the world, will diminish accordingly. And the more and more he immerses himself in spiritual matters, he will quickly realize how impoverished and wanting he is in mitzvot. But the process will be gradual. And he will still be forced to contend with the effects of the past sins. However, if he attains the highest level of spiritual resurgence, the highest level, teshuvah me'ahava, a repentance that stems from the love of God, then even the sins that have created, that were created as destructive forces to harm him, will become like this pasuk, ke'ishmagen like a shield-bearer to protect him. Chachamim tell us that that type of teshuvah, that type of repentance, changes even intentional sins to merits, creates angels to protect the former sinner. How important is this advice? Who, who would have thought that we can learn so much from an ant? We live in the society today where whatever we can do to find free time is great. It's how many, uh, how many subscriptions to television and movies am I going to find? I have Netflix, I have Disney, I have Apple TV, I have Crave TV. I, I, I'm embarrassed that I know all these. I, I admit to you today that I know of all these things that exist. And I only mentioned four, and I'm sure there's more. And you have to ask yourself, where in the world do people have the time to just... Sit and watch and watch and watch. How much can you watch? A little sleep, a little slumber. And if you're not sleeping in slumber, you're you're just folding your hands and reclining. This is your life. This is what you're chasing for. This is what your end goal is going to be. You're worse than the ant. Look at what the ant's doing. The ant is outperforming you and you are a human being. The ant is preparing for something that he knows he's not even going to survive. Months and months of just grabbing grain and building a palace, a palace of sustenance. Abotai, that palace is waiting for us. It's waiting for us after 120 years. The reward is there. The reward is there. Every action that we do, every good action, it's there. We may not see it. We don't know when. We just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. But we have to accumulate. We have to get up. We have to be kum. We have to learn from the, the deeds of the ant. We have to learn the diligence from the ant. The wisdom from the ant. The fine attributes from the ant. Not to take what's not ours. To act properly. 
even though we may, you know, even to take to, to accumulate things, even though we're not sure we, we may need it or not, but the smarts of the end. And act and do it, do it rationally. Like human beings, we have the free will to think for ourselves, realize what exactly we need and what we don't. Bezat Hashem will be Zocheh after 120 in Olam Haba in the next world because we prepared now. We prepared here on Erev Shabbat. On Friday, we worked hard. We ran to the supermarkets. We cut up the vegetables. We did everything we had to do so that we were able to enjoy Yom Shekulo Shabbat, the day where it will be told the Shabbat, the day in reference to Olam Haba, where we'll reap all the rewards and we'll enjoy the true harvest that Shlomo HaMelech spoke about in these last few Pesukim. And we hope to see you next time as we continue this amazing Sefer Mishleh. Wishing everybody a wonderful night ahead. The Finding Holiness podcast has been brought to you by Eli's Fine Foods, serving the Toronto community for over 25 years. Find out more information about catering and events at their website at elisfinefoods.com. To support the podcast or to sponsor a Torah class, visit our website at findingholiness.buzzsprout.com and click the link at the top of the page to help support our project.